Morning. Welcome to another episode of History Under Your Feet. Today we'll take a look at the life of Madanlal Dingra, close associate of Veer Savarkar, noted for his assassination of cousin Vaile. Hailing from Amritsar, the sixth born of the city's civil surgeon, two of his brothers were doctors while the other two were barristers, and coming from a well-to-do influential family, he was settled into a life of luxury and comfort. Yet he was restless driven by the call for Sudeshi right from his student days at the government college Lahore in 1904. He led the student protest there against having to forcibly wear a blazer made of imported cloth which led to his expulsion in turn. Having instantly studied about poverty and finance in India, he felt that only Swaraj was the solution. And for some time he worked as a clerk at a Tanga service in Kolkata, Shimla, but his attempts to organize a union came to naught. It was then on the advice of his brother he went to London for studying the diploma course in civil engineering at the University College. But in 1906 to 9, a very industrious institution of learning with Dadabai Nauruji, his professor of Gujarati, and Rabindranath Tagore studied English literature. And like most other Indian students in India, he was regular to the India House founded by Shamji Krishna Verma. His initial days were spent in frolic and fun, and his good looks ensured he was in the company of women mostly. The turning point came at a meeting in the India House that was addressed by Savarkar. Apparently, Dingra, along with his friends, was making a noise in the adjacent room that forced Savarkar to intervene. What is the matter? You only talk of action and bravery. Avoid coming to a weekly meeting. Is this your bravery? The rebuke by Savarkar had its desired effect, and for quite some time, Dingra was not seen at an India House. Too ashamed to show his face and fearful of facing Savarkar's wrath, he kept away. Until one day, summoning all the courage, he came face to face with Savakar again at India House. Savakar had again, however, moved on from the past instead and spoke normally with Dingra. A much assured Dingra asked him, Has the time for martyrdom come? To Savakar replied, If a martyr has made up his mind and is ready, it is generally understood the time for martyrdom has come. Having made up his mind, Dingra now joined the Indian National Association founded by Surendranath Munshi and Anand Mohan Bose in 1876. Association was primarily a gathering of moderate Indian nationalists who denounced extremism and believed in peaceful negotiation with the British. He acted as a double agent of sorts, publicly denouncing Savarkar in front of the British to win their favour. He soon won the trust of Mrs. M. R. Josephine Beck, the secretary of the association, and got to know the timings of visits of important officials. He had a fake following out with Savarkar to convince the British officials and also left India House. And staying for some time at Ledbury Road in 1909, he began to plot the assassination of one of the most important British officials, Lord Curzon Wiley. Dingra had earlier attempted to assassinate Lord Curzon, the British Viceroy, universally hated for his protection of Bengal. However, Curzon escaped twice thanks to the late arrival of the venue. His plans to assassinate the ex-governor of Bengal, Bramfield Fuller, also came to naught when the latter turned up late for the meeting. It was then that Dingra had decided to target Kurzan Wiley and not just because of the name. Wiley was one of the top-ranking officials in the British government. He serving the British Army in 1866, he had entered the political department in 1879. He had earned a distinction while his own in 1879, after war and later in Awad, Nepal and Nepal in Rajputana. He was appointed the political aide camp to the Secretary of State for India, but more than anything, he was regarded as the eyes and ears of the government. Wiley headed the secret police, a fact not known to anyone except those in the upper echelons of the British government. And he in turn was keeping an eye on Savarkar and other revolutionaries of the Indian House. He even appointed an informer, Kirtikar, at the Indian House to get information. Kirtikar was however founded by Savarkar and gave him all the information about the police operations and the force. 
On the home front, things were not going too well. Savakas and Dabarakas got arrested and sentenced for life to the dreaded cellular jail in Andamans. His comb was confiscated and his wife, Yesu, died of a destitute homeless on the streets. Another factor was Savakar being denied access to the bar after he completed his studies in 1906. He was encouraging sedition by circulating pamphlets, advocating armed revolution and assassination. And given time till May 22nd, the trial was conducted on May 26, 1909 in Kimra. New charges were pressed with traitors by Savakar and the civil lord. Dhingra knew Bali personally, having met him earlier on April 13, 1909, based on a recommendation of his brother Kumdandar. He apparently wanted to discuss the letter, but in reality, his aim was to get closer to Wiley and win this confidence. The moment, came, the moment came when a meeting of the association was to be organized on July 1st, 1909, that would be attended by a large number of idiots and Englishmen in honor of Lady Lyall, the wife of Sir Alfred Lyall. He met Savarkar on June 29, 1909, Savarkar asked Nirinjan Pal to type out the statement Dhingra would make after assassination and then gave him a virgin milk phone and pistol. Do not show me your face again if you fail this time, said Savarkar to an emotionally overwhelmed Dhingra as he took his leave. Accompanied by another revolutionary Gorei Konkar, he had an early lunch and left at 2 p.m. carrying a revolver in his hand. He also bought a brand new dagger and a leather casket placing in his pocket. It was evening at 7 p.m. when the function started. Dhingra was dressed in a long suit and blue punjab turban. He placed a poem to roam his right pocket of his coat and the browning gifted by Savarkan and another. He took a cab arrived at the institute where Koregon also came with his pistol. When the time came for Bali to leave, Dhingra approached him on the pretext of talking something just as the bungalow came in closer to Wade. Dhingra pulled out his field and fired two bullets point blank. As Bali reeled, Dhingra fired two more bullets. A Parsi doctor, Kawas Lankala, Urdanaka, tried to save Wiley was also shot. However, Dhingra's plan to commit suicide failed as he was overpowered by the security guards around and he managed to even bring down one of the cars but was ultimately subdued and arrested. He was taken to the Walton Street police station where the police officer asked him if any of his friends knew about this to which Dhingra calmly replied, there is no need. They'll know about my arrest tomorrow in the newspapers. It was a smart strategy which ensured none of his friends would be implicated. Upon the assassination of Wild, Dhingra was replied repeatedly British media by the British media. An ex-army officer had brought his gardens, Captain Charles Tolerton, even made allegations that Dhingra assassinated while under the influence of bomb. The psychiatrist who examined him as landed overseas testified that it was absolutely normal. During the inauguration, Dhingra accidentally regretted for the shooting of Dr. Lal Kalapar, saying that he had no reason to shoot him and this had happened as he came in between. Dhingra was produced before Mr. Horasmith, the administrator of Westminster Police, and told him clearly, I do not plead for mercy. Nor do I recognize your authority of me. On being sent to the session court, Dhingra asked in a trial in which the Indians were not allowed. I do not want to say anything in defense of myself, but simply to prove the justice of my deed. As for myself, no English law court has got any authority to arrest and detain me in prison or pass sentence of death to me. And I maintain that it is patriotic in Englishmen to fight against the Germans if they have occupied this country. It is much more justifiable than patriotic in my case to fight against the English. I hold the English people responsible for the murder of 80 millions of Indian people in the last 50 years, also responsible for taking away around 100 crore pounds every year from India to this country. Just as the Germans have no right to occupy this country, so the English people have no right to occupy India, and it is perfectly justifiable on our part to kill the Englishman who is polluting our sacred line. I am surprised at the terrible hypocrisy, the farce and mockery of the English people.
They poses the champions of oppressed humanity, the peoples of the Congo and people of Russia. And when there is, ter when there is terrible oppression and horrible atrocities committed in India, I told you again that I do not acknowledge the authority of the court. You can do whatever you like. I do not mind if anyone passes sentence of death on me. I do not care. You white people are all powerful, but remember, it shall be our time. Turn in the time to come when we can do what we like. Though the England will that all his belongings, clothes, books be sold and the money be given to the National Fund, it was not followed by the London police. They said that since he had made no official his belongs with the property of the British government and they confiscated everything. Sadly, he was disowned by his own family. It's of his brother Pachanlal, who was in London, condemned him publicly in a meeting. His father publicly apologized and disowned his son. All his family members dropped Dingra from their surname and adopted Lal to avoid trouble with the British. The only person who actually stood by Mother Lal Dingra was him. Savarkar visited him in prison. He was emotionally over overwhelmed when Savarkar told him, I have come here to seek your darshan. And for someone disowned by the family, it meant a lot when somebody out there stayed here for him. The Indian Association held a public meeting on July 5, 1909 to condemn Dhingra's assassination of Wiley. The meeting was chaired by Aga Khan and he was prepared to pass a resolution. One hand had arrest in protest. It was Savarkar who said, no, not unanimously. Their opponents take, my, take down my name. I oppose the motion. The meeting went into a commotion after Savarkar's known defense. One of the members, Mamangiri, tried assaulting Savarkar but was restrained by Aga Khan. A European member named Palmer hit Savarkar with a stick causing him to bleed in the eye. Different Savarkar refused to back down, sticking to his side. Suradhanath Banerjee was outright for the assault. Savarkar had a right to have his say. It ended. It was outrageous to attack him and left the meeting in anger. The police had to rush in and prevent the situation from going out of control. That very night, Savarkar wrote a letter to the Times saying that since the matter of Dingra was such as no one had the right to discuss the case in public and use terms like criminal, it amounted to contempt of the court. And the letter was published in the Times on July 6, 1909. Predictably, most Indian leaders like Gokhale and C. Kelkar condemned Dingra and some like Handeman said that though Dingra's act was not acceptable, the allegation he raised against the British government could not be swept away. The media now turned their focus on Savarkar, claiming him to be the mastermind of the entire act. His relatives and colleagues in India were persecuted by the government. Students going for London to London for studies had to produce certificates from the local government. Dingra meanwhile had some admirers like W.T. Stead admitted of that he was an admirer of Savarkar and believed in India's freedom. Stead himself was arrested later. In a letter to the observer, Stead conducted that Dingra had committed the murder in a fit of insanity and hence should be given life imprisonment only. In the meantime, VVS Ayyamuddin Sain Dwarakadas and J.S. Master Editor of the Gujarati Daily Farsi met the Secretary of India and requested that Dhingra's dead body be given so that they could perform the last rites. Savarka wanted that Dhingra's ashes be sent to various parts of India and on the other hand, members of the Secretary's Morley Council fabled the life imprisonment as they felt that the accusation would make him a martyr and ignite the volatile atmosphere even more. King Edward Said was so infuriated with Dhingra's and in a letter to Morley, he said that all Indian students should be banned from studying in England. Morley, on the other hand, was adamant that Dingra be executed as it would set an example of potential assassins. And this was what Wilhelm the British poet, had to say no Christian martyr ever paid his judges more fearlessly about greater dignity. If India could produce 500 men as resolutely without fear, she would achieve her freedom. The Irish supported Dingra with several pledged titles. Ireland honours Dingra feasted all across the country. August 17th, 1999, in Pentagon, the family, the date had come. <clears throat> Many of Dingra's friends made a request to meet him for one last time. 
Master made a request to the under sheriff of London and Homer Sidimo. Miss Lingra's close friend near to meet him. However, the request was turned down at both places. Lingra remained calm and composed, slept well on his last night, and after performing his course, was ready for the hanging. As the clock struck nine, Lingra walked to the gallows. Many of his friends and some from the media were waiting outside, all of them in a state of mourning. When a Christian preacher, Hudson, walked to perform the last prayer, Lingra turned in on saying that he was born as a Hindu and would die as one. Metcalf, the deputy undertake under sheriff, read out the death warrant, asked him the usual question. Dingra just ignored, walked calmly to the noose. Officer Pyrepon was waiting for them. The noose was put around his neck and the lever was pulled. The life of a brave revolutionary was struck out. Master ordered Dingra's postmortem requested that he be taken for the body for funeral rite. Dingra wanted to be cremated as per Hindu custom, but Master's request turned on Dingra's body was buried in Pentagonally present himself in a coffin. On being asked if Dingra would consider a martyr, certainly he laid down his life for his country's good. Whether his idea of good was right or wrong is a matter of opinion. On as designed by Gyanchand Verma, Dingra's last statement was published in a postcard by Sardar Singh Rana in Paris along with his photograph. The statement is underlined by Mande Mathan below, which read that the sacred and aspiring memory of Patriots Madanlal Dingra, who died for his country. The copies of his statements were sent by Rana to Savarkar in London who turned and the last number of them to India. Though banned, nevertheless, the last statement titled Challenge became popular in the public. From another note, the Indian revolutionaries in London paid tribute to him, saying that the day, the morning of August 17, 1929, will remain engraved in red letters in the heart of every Indian who loved us in land. This is the morning that a great patriot of Boulevard Dingra is swinging to and fro the sacred in the grip of execution and broken pentagonally. His high soul is rising from his earthly body, but his spirit is still with us remaining. He will guide us in the battle of freedom of our motherland, and his name written in the history of India will go down to posterity. Mahatma Gandhi, however, condemned Dingra's action, calling him and other revolutionaries as anarchists, saying his claim honorable. Dingra but Lala Hardayal gave him the best tribute, saying, Dingra the immortal has braved at each stage of the trial like a like hero of ancient times. England thinks she has killed Dingra. In reality, he lives forever and is given the death blow to English sovereignty in India. Finally, on December 12, 1976, in the presence of Dr. Singh, then coming commissioner of India, Dingra's coffin was exhumed and his mortal remains put back to England.